What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. While you were gone, Magic takes over the Lakers. Any reaction to that when you heard that news? No, just, I guess, the rain uh, for a uh, cup check is over. Just like his final shot versus the Cleveland Cavaliers last week, which went far right and hit nothing but glass, Paul George may have also hit the proverbial glass ceiling in his own relationship with the Indiana Pacers. Could that have been his final shot ever as an Indiana Pacer? Alan, your thoughts? Yes. Yes, it is. Tommy, your thoughts? Dun, dun, dun! Oh, yes. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined, as usual, by my co-hosts, Tommy Alexander and Alan Riley. And if you had to guess what I named this Paul George-specific episode, because, as you know, I have a very punny, stupid way of naming our episodes, what do you guys think I named this episode tonight? Uh, shoot, I'm not as punny as you. Something with, like, PG-13 as a movie rating? Yeah, pretty close, Tommy. I literally have no idea. Okay, so has anyone watched the, does anyone watch Netflix or use Netflix? Tommy, you do, right? Yes. So right now, me too. Me too. <laughs> oh, you do too, Al? Yes. I live, I live in the year 2017. Do you guys have internet? 
So that show, at least at my work, the show that's all the rage right now is 13 Reasons Why. Have you guys heard that show? I have not seen that show, now. I have not either. This doesn't, this is not going very well. But anyways, this episode... You know what I am watching? I'm watching <laughs> Black Mirror, finally. That is a good show. Oh, that's Oh, good. it's so good. Does it have anything to do with Black Mirror? No, but it has... Oh, then I don't care. Then I don't care. <laughs> has to do with 13 reasons why, but our episode is going to be PG-13 reasons why. So Hey, I should get 50% credit There you that. go. You do. You do. Okay. Thanks. As you guys all know, Paul George... It's and... the off-season. <laughs> it's the off-season, but in, as far as the Lakers are concerned, as far as their quote-unquote playoffs are concerned, it's going pretty well because Paul George and his Indiana Pacers have been swept, and uh, right now all we can talk about is whether or not he's going to be a Laker, and so that's what this episode is going to focus upon. But before we get started... As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many Paul George Lakers jerseys will be sold next season. And if a ton are sold next season, then you know what that means. We are all delusional. Speaking of rating and reviews, tonight we will have Pacers GM Larry Bird read the review. Tommy Alexander, our impressionist extraordinaire, will read as Larry Bird. Tommy slash Larry Bird, take it away. This review is by Kobe24MP3, and it's called Tommy is Humor. Lakers Legacy Pod is a million times better than the Kaminsky Pod, <laughs> who seem to focus on anything but the Lakers. With that said, Alan's impressions are straight humor, and Jonathan's intros are as creative as Swaggy's Dolphin Stories. <laughs> Tommy is a great contributor, and appreciate their promotion of Boba as well. <laughs> I hope Alan's Zubak impression makes more appearances, since it looks like he's going to get way more minutes. Again, this is a great pod, and I can't wait for your analysis when the Lakers are legit contenders. Keep up the good work. Well, Larry Bird, that may happen sooner than we think. Thank you, Tommy. By the way, what went into your Larry Bird impersonation? I was trying to imagine a guy who was about to trade Paul George to the Lakers. <laughs> Uh, well, it sounded very much like that guy, and I could sense the apprehension and anxiety in your voice, so thank you. By the way, who, what was his name again, the uh, reviewer? It was Kobe24MP3. Kobe24MP3, thank you for that review. We all each got a shout-out, so hey, that's that's pretty awesome. Also, besides being on iTunes, Stitcher, AlmightyBaller.com, we are also on Dash Radio, and tonight we have Chuck the Chuckster Charles Barkley on to tell you when and where you can find us. Hey, what's up, America? Uh, I don't know why y'all listen to this thing right now because, you know, y'all just got to get a life. I mean, y'all must live in your mother's basement or something. But uh, if, you, if you don't know what you're doing with your life, I guess you could just uh, tune in on Monday mornings from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, 8 a.m., I, I guess you should be driving to your work. So maybe you don't live in your mother's basement. But if you do, you're probably sleeping anyway because you're playing the stupid video games the night before. So anyway, uh, I'm going to go eat a donut or something right now. Uh, Mondays, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Dash Radio. Don't know what that is because I don't know what much is at all. Peace out. All right. Thank you, Charles Barkley. Dash Radio, Lakers Legacy. Every Mondays, 8 to 9 p.m. All right. With that said, let's get our show going. Uh, Before we start, as usual, we are going to Tankathon Spin. The Wheel of Fortune with regards to the Lakers lottery selection. You guys ready for this? I hate this. I know you do. Last episode, we dropped to the number five spot. Currently, we are one and two doing this. One and two, not a good record. Hopefully, we can tie it up. Ready? One, two, 
three. Uh oh. Number one. Hey. Goes to hey. the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number two goes to Phoenix. Number three goes to Boston. Suck yes, it, Boston. Philadelphia. <laughs> so Boston at this point will probably get Josh Jackson, who they already have in Jalen Brown, so they can suck it. Lakers number one pick, Markel Fultz. We're keeping it. There you go. So we are now two and two doing this tankathon wheel of fortune spin, and I like those odds. Okay. With that said, before we get started, I wanted to do a first round pick update of our number 28th pick, which is Houston's pick, of course. I think as we get closer and closer to the draft, if we have any sort of late round, late first round prospects that we're interested in, we'll probably just bring it up on the show before we start our main topic. And tonight I want to talk about Alan. We had a problem saying his name a couple episodes ago when we had Ode to Odin's Sean Derenthal to talk about the draft with us. But I'm going to ask you to say his name as best as you can remember. And Zegis Bocetniks. That was pretty good. Thank you. So yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about Anzegis Pasetniks, who is currently on Draft Express ranked number 30. So Anzegis Pasetniks is a 7-2 prospect from overseas. And Sean Derenthal talked to us about him in terms of him being a almost like a DeAndre Jordan type Euro dude who has a lot more offensive skill than DeAndre Jordan. So I guess he'd be almost like a Rudy Gobert with a jump shot and a little more offensive touch in, in the paint. So yeah, I just wanted to bring him up because if the Lakers do keep their number 28th pick, I think it would be beneficial for them to get another sort of big and Rob Palinka was on the radio this past week. He was on the radio and he pretty much talked about how one of the priorities that they have this offseason is getting a quote-unquote quality big man who can play in today's NBA. There are a bunch of different ways to interpret this, whether he's talking about, does he mean like a Carl Towns type dude who can shoot threes? Those dudes are very rare. It's pretty much Carl Towns, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. So I think he's just talking about a more mobile big who's agile, can play the pick and roll on both ends, and can catch lobs, essentially. And I think this Anzegis Pasechnik's guy is that type of big. Whereas Zubats is more of the Marcus mold, where he is a little more plotting. He has more positional defense as opposed to being able to go out on the pick and roll and blow up pick and roll coverages and stuff like that. Zubats so far has only shown the ability to really block shots whenever they're near the rim, but he hasn't shown an ability to really move his feet laterally and get out. And that's something that this guy Pasechniks really excels in. And so far, I've watched his tape, and I've been really, really impressed by him. So right now at Draft Express, he's ranked number 30. But if he is still in that range after workouts and stuff are done, I would be very happy if the Lakers keep the number 28th pick with them picking up this guy. Because like I said, he's mobile. He's really good at rim running. His, he's really athletic, actually. And obviously, being 7'2", he's also really long. He kind of looks like Andres Biedrins. Obviously, has way more of a shot, and he can even shoot threes sometimes. Uh, he likely won't be doing that in the NBA, but you at least know he has some sort of jump shot form, unlike Andres Biedrins, Rudy Gobert, and DeAndre Jordan. But most of all, like I said, I think his perimeter D at this stage is the most impressive. He can really move his feet, bother the ball handler on pick and rolls with his length. And I bring his name up because, you know, in the playoffs right now, even a knucklehead, as Charles would say, JaVale McGee, even a guy like that who seemingly doesn't have a high basketball IQ is excelling just because he's long. The Golden State Warriors know how to utilize him well, and they're really 
taking advantage of his length and his ability to to bother guards on the perimeter. But outside of that, his ability to rim run, his ability to screen and roll and catch lobs and stuff. So I think in this day and age, it's really, it's to our advantage if we kind of diversify our bigs in terms of, we have Zubats on one end as a Marcus Gasol type, but it's not a bad idea to also have off the bench or maybe even starting interchangeably to have a Rudy Gobert-ish type of big. So that's why I want to put Anzegis Paseknix on everybody's radar for our number 28th pick. So, Tommy, I know you also got a chance to look at him a little bit. Can you give me your impressions of him and whether you think it would be a advantageous to get a guy like this at number 28? I think it definitely would be. I, I The reason I it's hard for me to get that excited about stuff like this, although I think this guy is really good, he is currently, like you said, a late first. That's where he's projected on like the major draft website. The problem is those like fringe second round, first round border picks um, from overseas, the workouts tend to like boost them up if they're actually legit. And I find it really, really, really hard to believe that some team in the 20s, like picking before number 28, for example, is going to pass on a fairly mobile 7-2 big man. You know what I mean? Like, it, I think DeAndre Jordan, comparing him to that, is, like, kind of a stretch because DeAndre Jordan is, like, one of the best athletes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He plays the center. And then on the other hand, it's, like, Rudy Gobert. I think he's more athletic than Rudy Gobert, though he may, might not be as, like, strong or long or whatever. But he's still 7-2. I don't know what his wingspan is because I couldn't find it, although I looked. And he seems to have good defensive instincts. And, he, yeah, he, like you said, he has soft touch. And... I don't know if he's a playmaker, but it looked in like in some of his clips that he at least that's like part of what he's thinking about when he gets the ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I never I don't think you can ever have. Well, maybe this is not true if you're like Philadelphia two years ago. But in my opinion, at least for the Lakers, it's I don't think you could ever have too many seven foot plus type guys who play like sort of different styles. Like the way I view it is. We don't know if Mozgov is going to be on this team next year. I mean, hopefully he won't be, right, in, in some sense. Um, and we don't know, like, is Thomas Robinson an NBA caliber center? Like, I don't know. Like, even off the bench, I'm just not sure. He's sort of similar to some other guys we have. So, yeah, I think it's never a bad idea to just have a lot of different types of options at the center spot. I mean, when we were contenders, we had, like, Pow and Bynum. It's like we did not go after Pow. And we didn't like let Ello walk just because we had Bynum. It's like, right. if these guys serve different types of roles, it never hurts to have size. If we could get Kristaps Porzingis tomorrow, I'm not going to say, oh, we already have Zubats. It's not worth it. No, like they are different types of players. And this is that this guy whose name I can't pronounce is the type of guy that we need. Not to say that means Zubats is gone. That's just to say that. We need a different type of big man also to to keep up in, in the new NBA. Yeah, for sure. Agree. Alan, do you have any thoughts on... Yeah, so I think a guy like Pasetniks, if I said that somewhat correctly, uh, would be a good fit for our team. And when Rob Palinka says he wants a modern-day big, again, like you said, Jonathan, that could mean a guy who stretches the floor like a Carl Anthony Towns, or it could mean guys who come across more frequently like a JaVale McGee, like a Tristan Thompson, for example. I mean, Tristan Thompson, his offensive game is quite limited. It's offensive rebounds and setting screens, rolling to the heart, rolling to the rim hard, rim running. He's there for defense for sure. If we're going to go real extreme, we're talking Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Jordan. So, you know, those guys are all-stars, borderline all-stars, uh, almost all NBA players. 
but clearly they are much more common than someone like a Carl Towns who or a Porzingis, you know, who's a unicorn. Um, so I think a guy like Pizetniks, even though he may not have quite the arsenal, could actually be a better fit. And if I'm Rob Palinka, you know, I'm thinking about what is going to enhance my team the most, especially um, being realistic about it. And if that's the type of guy that's available, yeah, I, I think you have to take him. And he does improve your team significantly because right now, down low, our best defender is Tark Black, who is basically six foot six. And I'm sorry, like, that's just not going to get it done. Yep, for sure. So yeah, everybody keep Paseknik's on your radar. And as we move closer and closer to the NBA draft and whether or not we actually keep our top three pick, uh, we will bring along more prospects of interest as we get closer to that. One other thing before we get to the Paul George stuff, you know, our last episode, we talked about free agents that we wanted to target and how we were kind of low on Drew Holiday. I think some some people who listened to that episode may have been confused at kind of why we are high on maybe guys like JJ Redick, but low on guys like Drew Holiday and George Hill. And I think it may come off as almost like a somewhat of a double standard where we're like, where they're like, okay, but JJ Redick's even older than a guy like Drew Holiday and even older than a guy like George Hill. And he presents even less potential upside. So why would you guys prefer a JJ Redick type player? And I think for me, and you guys can chime along, for me, it's because JJ Redick is a very proven high quality role player who's known his role for quite some time. He doesn't need the ball. He doesn't require high usage and he provides a skill, elite shooting, 40% shooting throughout his career that you really need to fill out a championship contender type team. Guys like Drew Holiday and George Hill are, I wouldn't say replaceable point guard type players, but the league is filled with all sorts of point guards. The league is not filled with a J.J. Redick type. Those types of guys who can shoot lights out and can play catch and shoot off ball, etc. are very rare to find, especially guys like J.J. Redick who have done this for, you know, the last six years at an elite level. So, Tommy, I don't know if you wanted to chime in on why it's like, oh, how come you guys are high on JJ Redick, but Drew Holiday, you guys, you guys are lukewarm on? Yeah, I think it's two things. One is it's all about system, guys, right? And Polinka keeps talking about how we're trying to build like this certain DNA for the Lakers. And when you see a guy, you're going to know, oh, that's the type of guy that would play for the Lakers. Sort of how we've mentioned in previous episodes, like, Sometimes you just see a player and you're like, that is like a Greg Popovich, San Antonio Spurs player. So I think that's part of it. We want to get away a little bit. I need the ball in my hands type of guy. Like we already have some young guys that can do that sort of thing. And like you said, JJ Redick is an elite level shooter who serves a specific role. Drew Holiday is not a bad player at all. And as will be evidenced by his free agent market this summer, somebody's going to pay that guy. Um, You know what I mean? I think the second reason is... There's a bit of an overreaction to D'Angelo Russell moving point guard to the shooting guard to close the season last year. I think some fans, I don't know if this is the case, but maybe some fans might view that as, oh, then D'Angelo's just a two. They finally have accepted it. So now we need to shift our priorities to finding our point guard. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think they were just trying to see like, Okay, there are some decent point guards, some of whom we've talked to and previously talked about, not talked to. There, obviously, if we keep our pick, there are many good top point guards at the top of the draft this year. So, or even if we trade up there, you know, like like I said, there's many good point guards out there. If we can find another, should we be like, oh no, we have Steph Curry? We're not trading for 
a guy to, you know, a, a guy to like potentially take over Steph Curry's role because we already have Steph Curry? Or are we thinking like, okay, D'Angelo could really play the point guard and he can play better than a lot of other players in the NBA. But if we have an opportunity to get a point guard, are we going to like just get rid of D'Angelo or what are we going to do? We have to know if he can play off the ball. And I think that's what that was all about. And so, but I, I can see how some people might view that as, oh no, D'Angelo just plays off the ball now. And that's why we need a point guard. So I think that's part of the reason too. Yeah. And sorry to just jump in on the D'Angelo playing the two spot. Like you said, I think people were overstating that point a little too much and going too far the other way, thinking that, oh, because we're trying D'Angelo at the two spot, it's not only about the draft, it's about free agency and trading for another point guard. And I actually think it was almost 80% about this draft. Like we wanted to test that yeah. out because we knew that Lonzo Ball's available, Markel Fultz is available, even guys like Dennis Smith right. Jr. and De'Aaron Fox are there, you know? So it would be stupid not to try D'Angelo at off ball. And so if we remember when Lou Will got traded, he averaged six assists after the All-Star game. And when Jordan Clarkson was finally pitted next to him, the lineups actually were, it didn't work out well. The flow was off and they essentially couldn't play that well together, even though D'Angelo had that 40, 40 point game playing the two guard, quote unquote, the two guard, right? At the end of the day, I don't care how we classify it, classify him. He's a combo guard, whatever position he plays. So for me, we didn't make this move to put D'Angelo at the two to see if it could work for a potential free agent signing like Drew Holiday. I think for me, it's worth it if you're drafting a 19 to 20 year old combo guard to slot next to D'Lo like Fultz or Lonzo. But if it becomes if it comes to the point where you're signing a 27 year old Drew Holiday for 20 million dollars. I feel like that's forcing the issue a bit in terms of, oh, we got to peg D'Angelo at two because we can get Drew Holiday. In that sort of scenario, it's not worth it for me. But if it's for like a 20-year-old guard that's D'Angelo's same age, or even a guy like Kyrie Irving who's only 23, then yeah, let's put D'Angelo at the two. Otherwise, if we're looking at guys like Drew Holiday or George Hill or even Kyle Lowry, I'd rather just save that money, allow D'Angelo one more year to see if he can really play point guard because he hasn't had a full year to himself playing 35 minutes and actually getting full reign over the offense to really see if he can play point for a sustained period, right? Even including after the All-Star break when he was doing so well before Luke decided to bench him, right? Before that period, he was averaging six assists. So who says he can't play point guard? So if we're looking at guys like Drew Holiday to pigeonhole D'Angelo at the two, I don't think that's worth it. If it's a guy like Fultz or Ball, it is. So those are my opinions on the two guard debate and why I don't think going after Drew Holiday is too smart of an idea and why even at this point I would prefer let's get JJ Redick and have D'Angelo play point guard next to an elite shooter like him because we haven't seen what it's like to see D'Angelo in a system where there are multiple shooters and not only multiple shooters but elite shooters who can help him out and even help him out play point guard so Alan what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I think the whole J.J. Redick versus Drew Holiday thing is more about which player is going to help your team function at the highest level possible. And if you just we're not saying that J.J. Redick is a better player than Drew Holiday if we're drafting, you know, for best player available. When it comes to this, you want to go for fit. And if you think about having a shooter like J.J. Redick and D'Angelo finding him in, you know, transition and you know, even playing a little bit of like pick and pop with him or whatever. And JJ Redick is running off screens. D'Angelo can find him in those passing lanes. I mean, I like the way that looks in my head a lot more than D'Angelo playing off ball with a more ball dominant point guard like Drew Holiday. So again, if this is like 
an expansion draft where you have Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick on the board, then, yeah, I think most times you're going to take Drew Holiday. But we're trying to fill out a roster here. And I really like what, you know, Tommy said about uh, Rob Palinka trying to build that culture. And if we're going to go across sports, you can think of like the New England Patriots, for example, where that's such a Patriots player, you know, that uh, that Julian Edelman or that Danny Woodhead, even though Danny Woodhead's not there anymore. Like those are all Pats type guys. Um, that's absolutely what Magic and Rob are trying to do as opposed to just, oh, like there's a guy that's good. Let's just get him because of that, you know? Yep, totally agree. So yeah, that's just what we want to clarify in terms of the why we're veering towards specific free agents and also why we think the D'Angelo Russell at the off-guard position and pigeonholing him there already is a little premature at this point. So we'll leave that right there. And after the turn, we'll get into... PG-13 reasons why it's okay to potentially trade for Paul George as soon as this summer. So catch us after the turn. If you're on vacation and you run into Paul George, are you not allowed to speak to him? No, we're going to say hi because we know each other. I you see. just can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers even though I'm going to be wink, winking like... <laughs> you know what that means, right? Okay, so Paul George, like we said, is now... In his offseason, just like the Lakers, because his Indiana Pacers got swept to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And despite the fact that he made a valiant effort to try and get his Pacers to even win a couple games, because pretty much outside of the last game, every game was pretty close. Unfortunately, he just couldn't get over the hump because his team is not that great. And he was relying on the superhero antics of Lance Stevenson to, to try and help him out. And so here we are, Paul George. We're not sure if he's still going to be a Pacer. He still has one year left remaining on his contract. Um, but after that, he can he becomes an unrestricted free agent or he can opt out. I forget what it is. But given that things kind of played out the way that Lakers fans wanted it to, obviously, if he had been blown out every single game, that may have been the best case scenario. But at the same time, having to lose three very close games to LeBron James is probably also as disheartening to him. So it's not a bad consolation prize, I guess. Obviously, we think that maybe he still seems disgruntled. If anybody listened to his post-game interview after the Game 4, it didn't sound very promising. He, I mean, he wasn't over-the-top disgruntled or whatever, but anytime anybody pressed him about wanting to, become, wanting to stay a pacer, he said, I'm not even thinking about that right now. I'm unsure. I'll get back to you later in the season. So not exactly glowing signs of him wanting to stay there, but obviously he just lost the game. You can read into that how you want to. With that being said, does anybody have any thoughts on how the Pacers-Cleveland series ended and thoughts on where you think Paul George's head might be at before we jump into the why should we trade for Paul George if that's available? Um, I don't really have thoughts on how the Paul George, I'm sorry, on how the pacers Cavs series ended. Uh, Cleveland is just like, I hate watching them. It's horrible in the playoffs especially because it's like they cakewalk through these like fake East teams that do okay during the regular season, but they just are not nearly talented enough to win or they're coached by Byron Scott Jr. AKA Nate McMillan. <laughs> and uh, so I don't really have thoughts on that. Some thoughts on the Paul George thing. Um, I think there's two factors we haven't really discussed enough on this show. And number one of those is, we tend to, and this is like fair for, especially for a fan podcast, to approach this one-sided, right? Like, 
are the Lakers going to trade for Paul George? Are the Lakers going to do this? Are the Lakers going to do that? Okay, trading a player, though, involves two sides. You know what I mean? And I think in this case, it might you could argue it's even more complicated because it, it might involve three sides. I think one thing we haven't really talked about enough is to the extent the Pacers, I don't know whether or not the Pacers are trying to move Paul George. And you can say Paul George's agent might try to get involved and try to have a hand and help sweep that along a little bit if that's what he wants. In this situation, though, Paul George's agent will be in Paul George's ear this summer, has no incentive at all to try to push this sort of trade forward, because if Paul George stays with Indiana for one more year, somehow makes an all-NBA team next year. And I say somehow, but it's like, of the six forwards who make an all-NBA team, he might be seven or eight, and like two guys get injured and he has a good year, then... Maybe he does make it to like the third team all NBA. He's then eligible for that super max contract, which is just like so much. It's such a big price difference compared to what the old incentives you had you used to have in the old CBA. And the only team that can offer that to him is his drafting team. So if if Paul George's agent tries to like push a trade to whoever the Lakers or whoever anybody else this summer. That, like, takes that off the table immediately, like, before the season even starts. That's not to say Larry Bird won't independently do it anyway. It's just to say that there's at least one party here who does not really have an incentive to push that forward. That was one thing I wanted to say about Paul George. The second thing I wanted to say was talked a lot about, okay, well, if we got Paul George, then what? What are the types of moves we would make? Who are the types of players we would go after? Another reason I'm not like, I still want Paul George and would trade for him. And I know you'll have some thoughts on that too, but I, I'm i not like super gung-ho or slash, I guess my, it's not, I guess a better way to say it is my life won't be that, I wouldn't feel that negatively if we don't trade for him because I still think he wants to come here. I still think we're going to get somebody. And I also just don't see a ton of value in trying to build a team to win in the next four years when the Golden State Warriors are all in their primes. You know what I mean? Like, we could potentially have a decade-long team of contenders if we continue to let our young guys grow organically, fresh organics, and then just try to find our starter later. I I understand the risks involved with that process and that you just might never get that star and then you're just screwed, and I get that. But I, I, I do think that if... The opportunity presents itself, and here's your option to trade for Paul George, but it's going to be way too expensive, and we decide to just walk away from that. I I think I'll be fine with that. Cool. Alan, do you have any thoughts? Initially, I remember when we talked about this maybe a month ago, I was saying I would rather wait for free agency than trade for him now. And, you know, it's always at the cost of are you going to gut the majority of your team for this guy at that point? What are you left with? Uh, so it really has to be the right asking price. So it's a little bit difficult to talk about, would you rather trade for him or wait? It's like, well, shoot, there are so many factors at hand. How can you really say? In terms of if we had a trade, say we had the number three pick, okay, and we've discussed so far, like we would probably trade that plus the 28, and then you throw in, you know, whoever else after. Well, what is Larry Bird going to ask for at that point? If it's Larry Nance and some of the other, you know, lower tier young guys on our team, then yeah, you probably do it. But, you know, what's the, where do we draw our line in the sand? Is it, if they want Julius Randle, 
you know, do we do the two draft picks plus Julius for Paul George, or is that a little too much? Right. What if they want Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance? Like, is that too much as well? So, I mean, I don't know. There are so many different, like, combinations and permutations you could imagine where we would say yes, yes, no, 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 yes, no. I, I would agree with Tommy. Like, if the offseason ended, the summer, you know, free agency and all that stuff's over, and we do not have Paul George, I might, like, sigh. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, like, it was fun to imagine, and that would have been extremely exciting if it had gone down. If we were to acquire him in a trade, I would not be upset. That's for darn sure, unless we did something absolutely stupid. But I could live with it if we don't get him and then we just play the waiting game until next summer. I think in some respects, the the strategy of being patient could be more fruitful. You, you don't want to be frantic. And again, this goes back to what type of general manager does Rob Polinka want to be? Does he want to establish himself as aggressive and make a splash and create an identity or is he going to place, you know, is he going to be smart? And I think we would all unanimously say he's going to be smart. So um, I'd be content with waiting, honestly. Yeah, I think we'd all agree, though, that outside of this scenario, it seems like everything has lined up almost perfectly, that the only thing I can kind of parallel this back to is maybe when we've been when we were talking about Dwight Howard coming to the Lakers for like a good three years, and then everything was pretty much lining up to that point till it actually happened, right? This is the closest feeling I have where it's like, oh, this could legitimately happen. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels that way. I mean, if you guys saw inside the NBA the other night for Gone Fishing, Paul George was wearing a Laker t-shirt in that picture <laughs> sitting on the boat. So, I mean, you have stuff like that all over the place. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It feels like the the planets are aligning and, you know, all, all of those different um, factors are really just presenting itself in a way where it's like it's a sure thing. So, yeah, I, I get that, too. And also that article came out this past week saying how one of the reasons why people have this feeling is because Paul George's former Pacers teammates have actually come out and said, oh, yeah, when he was in the locker room, he was like, I would love to be a Laker and I plan to become a Laker because that's my dream. So obviously we shouldn't read too much into that because that could just be a very vague generality like, oh, man, if the opportunity presented itself, I would love to be a Laker, not so much as, oh, I would force myself to become a Laker, right? But knowing that fact and given how this season has played out and the comments that Paul George has said even before the playoffs about how it's not a good look right now, the locker room sucks, I don't like my teammates, etc., etc., one could assume that it is lining up that way. And so to an extent, I agree with both of you because obviously would, wouldn't we love to just keep our young core intact and just add Paul George? Of course we would. You know, that is the, that's a no-brainer situation. Unfortunately, as history has shown in the NBA, it rarely ever works out that way, if at all, if you want a star player to come to you. And so that's why I, for the last segment of the show, I kind of want to play devil's advocate because I think like you guys, most fans are in, in that sort of boat in terms of Let's just be as patient as possible. Let's not wait for Paul George. We won't cry if we don't get him, even in free agency next year, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess this is kind of a separate rant. We don't have to go too deep into this, but it touches upon something that I also wanted to bring up in terms of, you know, these last few years talking about the young core as if they're like Pokemon, like we just got Charmander and Bulbasaur and Squirtle or whatever. It's been fun, right? But it's also been frustrating, and I don't want us to get too caught up in the trust the process, flash the progress mentality to the point where we have 
kind of mentally strapped ourselves into this line of thinking forever and we can't find a way out, you know? So even using the Golden State example, it, it kind of traps us in that mentality. Oh yeah, they're going to be, they're going to win the championship for the next four years. And so we might as well be okay, you know? I kind of don't want to think of it in that way because then we're again trapping ourselves in, oh, so let's be trust the process, flash the progress for the next four years. I think if you have the opportunity and everything Rob Palinka and Magic has said thus far uh, lends itself to believing that if we have the opportunity to get a star, we're going to be aggressive and do it. Obviously, I add the caveat within reason, right? Like Alan said, we will trade for Paul George within reason. If it requires us trading the number two pick plus Jordan Clarkson plus D'Angelo Russell, we, we wouldn't do that, you know, or even Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, and Zubats. I don't think we would do that. But if it comes to the point where you're trading the number two pick Jordan Clarkson and the number 28th or whatever and throw in something extra, I think Rob would strongly have to think about that. And the reason why I bring that up and why I'm going to kind of force Tommy and Alan to play devil's advocate for explaining why, if you have the chance to get Paul George this summer, you do it. Because obviously, like I said, it's a no-brainer to say, let's just wait, keep all our assets, etc. But if I could give a historical background to this type, these types of dealings, it's rarely ever worked out that way. Um, if we look back to all of the disgruntled stars in the past, from Kevin Love, to Carmelo Anthony, to DeMarcus Cousins, to Chris Paul, to even Deron Williams, all of these guys never made it to free agency to pick the team of their choice and where they wanted to go. And why is that? Because they were disgruntled, their teams knew it, and they traded him to the first team that they would say yes to or even be semi-okay with going to. And those guys never made it to free agency, right? This is kind of the same case as those guys, right? Paul George is disgruntled. They just got swept. Larry Bird has known this for the past couple of years. He has a prospect in Miles Turner who he can build around and also begin the rebuild process earlier as well as having to think about having to pay Paul George that designated player's veteran exception, which can offer him 35% of the salary cap as opposed to 30%, higher annual raises of 8% each year versus 5%. So his baseline is higher and so are his raises, and he could end up earning more than 70 plus million over the course of that contract as opposed to another team. For Larry Bird, he has to think about, oh my gosh, do I really want to pay that much to a guy like Paul George who we haven't been able to get out of like the first round of the playoffs in the last three years, you know? And I don't have an avenue in which I can improve this team significantly enough to where it's worth it to keep a guy like that on, as opposed to just starting the rebuild process, getting more draft picks to surround Miles Turner, et cetera, et cetera. So I bring all that up because I think the stars have aligned enough to the point where this opportunity is going to present itself for Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson and even Larry Bird to really think hard about it. And obviously, like like Tommy said, it requires two parties to tango. If Larry Bird's going to play, you know, call our bluff and kind of stronghold Palinka and stuff, that's not going to work. But let's say both sides are amenable. They read the tea leaves, etc., and get out ahead of this. I think it would be a good idea to go after Paul George. And there are actual benefits to doing this in spite of the fact that we would have to give up the top three pick if we keep it and one or two other assets along with Paul George. So before I get into the beneficial reasons of why I wanted to see if Tommy or Alan, you had any thoughts to what I just brought up in terms of historical context, providing the, the facts that anytime there's been a disgruntled star, they've never had a chance to 
to even make it to free agency, even though the rumors were always like, oh man, if he walks, he's going to go to team X, team Y. And that includes Dwight Howard. You know, everybody was like, man, if Dwight Howard walks, he's going to make it to the Lakers. And guess what? We ended up trading for him before he even walked. You know what I mean? So Tommy. Um, yeah, I think your points are well taken. I guess for me, the the question is not, would I do it at all? Because I think I definitely would in certain circumstances. But I guess that's where we differ, maybe. I think my threshold for doing a trade like this is like a little bit higher than yours. And I don't know. That's the problem, right? Because it's like we don't have a list of what all the potential options are. So if we did have a list of those types of options, we could just write them all down and I'd be able to tell you yes, no, yes, no, on each one, like Mm -hmm. you said. But point that I really appreciated the most from your thing was the I don't want to fall into this mindset of let's just trust the process. And when I made the the Golden State Warriors comment, I wasn't saying that as if to say, like, let's just not try for Mm -hmm. the next four years. I did it more as to say, like, we need to be I would like to be good in the next four years. I'd like to be good next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, like, I don't want to make this a Shaq Dwight, I'm sorry, a Kobe Dwight Howard, Pau Gasol, Steve Nash push to build some sort of like pseudo contender that's going to bring us back to exactly where we are in like four or five years because Paul George is going to be 32 and we burned every single future asset we had to build a short term contender. I think it's going to take a balanced approach and like, look, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but that one example you just gave right there or towards the end of of what you were saying, a top three pick in this year's draft, as as long as it's not number one, and one other asset, I would even throw in the number 28. So I would do that top three that's not number one, number 28, and then like highest I would go is probably Randall, I think. Mm -hmm. But if if it's going to take more than that, then I don't know if I I would do it. Sure. And I guess the, the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I think you're in the same alignment in terms of thinking, in terms of it's very rare to have a OKC Thunder sort of scenario, because I think that's the scenario everybody always goes back to in terms of farm system, fresh organics, flash the progress, right? Everybody wants right, that yeah. to happen in terms of, yes, let's just keep the draft picks and they will all become top five players in the NBA. You know, that is so, so rare. That never happened. Even with OKC Thunder, it happened, but they had to split that team up because they didn't know how to handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like for every Oklahoma City Thunder, there are 10 Los Angeles Clippers of the 90s who are like picking in the top five literally every year. It's like you would look at the Clippers roster some years and be like, wow, this is like a three years ago team of college all-stars. But they would still only win like 20 games and like they never made the playoffs and they just it never really felt like they were getting better. So there's some sort of balance there. Like even the Warriors, they they didn't build their team with top three picks. Their highest pick I think they had was number six, which was Harrison Barnes, who's not even on the team. So it, it, it takes it takes a mix and. Some of these guys who we drafted really high and we love are, you know, not going to be the superstars we think they are. So, you know, we were talking about all those uh, disgruntled players like Deron Williams, uh, Dwight, Kevin Love, Chris Paul. So who are the GMs of each of those teams that made those trades? You know what I mean? Like a lot of them were were not great GMs and some of them were absolutely poor. And I I can't like speak too much to how great of a general manager Larry Bird is, although I think he's like in the top half of GMs in the league, I would say at least. He seems a little more shrewd and like picky to me 
He doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to panic. He may be more stubborn. Uh, and again, this is all just my gut feeling, thinking about who he seems to be publicly and in interviews and the way other players and just you know sports people will generally talk about Larry Bird. I, I feel like he may stand pat or um, really hold like kind of a ransom for Paul George. What, what do you guys think? In terms of shrewdness, don't you think it's also shrewd to know when to let go of the cards when you're yeah. have a lost hand? You know what I mean? Because those other guys, those GMs, they made out really, really well, especially the Denver Nuggets, even even the yeah. Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, they got Andrew Wiggins for that. This may even seem immature and stupid and petty, but how much of him would be thinking, oh, God, of course it's with the Lakers and of course it's with Magic Johnson. Like, does pride play any factor or is he able to compartmentalize his emotions and his history from making a smart move? Because I don't know, some some old school guys, you know what I mean? They might be like, no, I'm going to put my foot down. And if, if you're not giving me the picks plus Randall plus Zubots plus whatever, then screw it. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to be had. I mean, I think some of that might play into it, and he'd probably first go hit to his buddy Danny Ainge with the Celtics and be like, hey, can you beat this Lakers offer? You're my buddy. If we can give you Paul George, like, let's facilitate a trade. But obviously, that would come down to, do we have a better pick than the Boston Celtics? You know what I mean? And whether Danny Ainge would also be amenable to taking on the risk of Paul George only being there for one year. So I think some of that will play into it, but at the same time, there are also some objective reasons why Larry Bird might also be thinking this might be more trouble than it's worth in terms of I have to pay Paul George nearly $210 million over the next five years to stay on a team that I can't really improve and we might yeah. just be stuck in purgatory forever, you know? True. So why not start the rebuild around Miles Turner now? So Yeah, and I guess to, to argue with myself, um, he's the guy who said head coaches should only last about five years. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets rid of Frank Vogel because he feels a coach may lose his locker room after a little while and then let me go hire Byron Scott Jr. Nate McMillan so yeah at the same time maybe he is able to just see extremely clearly and take all the emotion and x factors out of it and be like you know what? yeah I'm done I'm gonna wash my hands clean and get rid of him and that's it I don't really uh, have any attachment whatsoever so there's me playing devil's advocate with myself Okay, cool. So we're kind of running short of time, but let's jump straight into just playing devil's advocate altogether in terms of obviously a lot of fans are like, why not just wait for Paul George in free agency next year? Because he's given every indication that if he gets to free agency, he's going to walk and leave for the Lakers. So let's say that we do, we are able to facilitate that trade for number two pick, number three pick, plus number 28th pick and Jordan Clarkson, or even Julius Randle for Paul George and now we have Paul George on our team and we kind of cry a little bit because oh no we lost Lonzo Ball and we lost Julius Randle or the number 28th pick Paseknicks right um, so let's say that's happened but we do have Paul George now and we have an opportunity to start our rebuild and our rebuild to contention actually as soon as this upcoming 2017-18 year so with that being said what are some of the benefits to even doing that and why have teams in the past historically jumped the gun and gotten that trade done and i want to preface everything by saying we don't want to do what the new york knicks did because that was a cautionary tale where they gave up too much for carmelo anthony who was definitely going to come to them in the offseason, right? So that's a cautionary tale to be had. The Cleveland Cavaliers only gave up the number one pick for, for Kevin Love and stuff like that. Those were more amenable, especially because they had LeBron James. But like I said, within reason, those kinds of deals have kind of worked out for both teams. So with that said, what are some of the positives to getting Paul George in now? I think for me, one of the main reasons is that 
you don't want to leave things to chance. And I think this is why certain teams, if they have the opportunity to do it, they just do it, right? Because there's a chance that if Paul George gets traded to another team like the Celtics that are willing to take the risk, uh, he may not be fully on board at the start, but he may end up being fully on board by year's end, especially with Brad Stevens, right? So as the Lakers, if Larry Bird says, hey, I'm willing to shop Paul George, what are you going to give me? And we don't, we say, nah, we'll just wait for him. And Larry Bird says, okay, I'm going to go to Ainge and see what he says. And then they're able to facilitate a trade. And all of a sudden, Paul George is on the Celtics and they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Then you've just totally lost Paul George altogether and he never makes it to free agency, right? And outside of that, You know, like Tommy said, Paul George has the ability to earn that designated player's veteran exception, which will allow him to make like 70 plus million over the course of his contract with his current team, the Indiana Pacers, than any other team. And so he can do that if he makes the All-NBA first, second, or third team next year. He's not going to make it this year into the the 2016-2017 season. But next year, he definitely has a chance. And even though he's fighting against a huge crop of forwards, To be clear, there are only six spots he can take because there's two forwards in the first team, two forwards in the second team, and two forwards in the third team. And he's fighting against the likes of LeBron, Draymond, Gordon Hayward, Kawhi Leonard, even Anthony Davis, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So he's fighting against all those guys. You still leave it to chance because an injury to one one or two of those guys leaves the door wide open. And honestly, if Paul George plays like how he played at the end of the season, he's a shoe-in for one of those spots. And then he gets his designated player's veteran exception. And Larry Bird, if he's willing to give it to him, will have pretty much locked George up before he becomes a free agent and can even think about it. Because when that much money is on the table, in spite of the fact that you may want to go to the Lakers and play for your hometown team, you're not going to give up 70 plus million, especially because he did experience an almost career-ending injury with that broken leg, right? So that's definitely fresh in his mind. So as the team that has the opportunity to trade for Paul George, you just don't want to leave it to chance because anything can happen in the next year that could change his mind. Lastly, the biggest thing is I think you get started on your contention timeline sooner. You allow your guys that you do keep, like D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram, to grow faster. And you get a better idea, mostly, if you're Rob Palenka, of how to set your team up sooner and how to build your team out with regards to free agency, with regards to trades. And as opposed to letting one more year of Paul George's prime go by, as well as letting one more year of your young kids' prime go by, prime go by and they don't really develop a sense of winning when they could with Paul George as, as soon as this year, right? And I just think it would be easier to start it sooner rather than later and allow them to kind of have that transitional period where they can kind of sort of start to shift gears into truly becoming a a competitive team because we know there's always going to be an adjustment period, right? So the sooner you can get that underway, the better. And you also rebuild your rapport as a team sooner. And given the Lakers free agency market timeline is only two to three years at most, I think it would make the most sense to establish your Paul George led team now so that you can be more attractive to free agents as soon as summer 2018. And even as soon as this summer, actually, once you have Paul George on Paul George on board, then you know JJ Redick and Paul Millsap Ibaka are like, okay, let me come on board too. So, those are my main points. Um, Tommy, I'll swing it to you. I guess what are some of the positives for you about now having Paul George for the 2017-18 season? Okay, so I think yeah, no, I agree with your points. Which I mean, I'll summarize your points as like risk mitigation, right? That's like mm-hmm. one big benefit of just going after him now. And so to add to add something a little different, I would say 
giving him just that extra year to grow with the young guys because championship teams, unless you have LeBron James, championship teams are not built overnight. Yep. And the first year we acquired Paul George, even if we acquired like another star, like we're not going to win. You know what I mean? So if the idea is to not just get Paul George, but to also have pieces in place to like build a team that will compete into the tail end of Paul George's career and beyond, those guys need to start. I mean, they don't need to, but it would be beneficial for them to start working together as soon as possible, especially when you're talking about a guy like Paul George, who's going to make everybody around him better. He's going to make the young guys develop that much faster. It's like, these are just hypotheticals, but let's say LeBron James left in one or two years. Kyrie Irving is so much better of a player now by having played with LeBron for those years Mm -hmm. that it's not that he was bad before LeBron got there, but Kyrie Irving was just like, okay, yeah, this guy can score. He's got some flashy handles and there's not much else. He went from that to like a promising young player to like at 24, however old he is, like the best, one of the best point guards in the NBA. Yep. And that happened because of LeBron and players get better, especially good players and talented players get better by playing with other talented players. If you have your lotto pick, you know, multiple lotto picks, actually, you kind of want them to be exposed to that level of elite talent for as young as possible so they can start to learn. Not to say they won't otherwise learn, but just to give them that much more time. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's a great point. And kind of what I wanted to allude to in terms of, you know, the young guys can start to grow now. So Alan, what what do you have to add? So I I really like your point, Tommy, about uh, how a superstar can make everybody else better. And if you look at Indiana, you know, imagine where Lance Stevenson and CJ Miles and all these other guys on the scene, where would they be without Paul George on that team? You know, they are so scrubby. They're a minor league team, basically. So if he is rubbing off on D'Angelo and really Brandon Ingram, holy crap, like they are going to improve so much as players that much sooner. And, uh, you know, to go back to a couple of Jonathan's points, you know, I I don't think there's any way the front office just sits on their hands and says, nope, no matter what, we're just going to wait to see what he's going to do in free agency. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Tommy or I agree with that approach, even 1%. Um, you, you have to like see what's, what's out there. It's just, like I said before, it's a matter of where you draw the line. I can definitely see him going to a place like Boston or, or wherever else and getting kind of comfortable and being like, okay, you know what? I could live with this. I'm going to resign. So that would absolutely be a blow to us. And I think there are like different degrees of what would hurt more <laughs> for me as a Laker fan. If Paul George were to stay in Indiana another year, make the All-NBA team and all that stuff, and then re-sign with them, that that would suck for sure. But I'd be like, well, he stayed with the team that drafted him, and you know he loves Kobe, and maybe he just wants to be like him with that regard as well. Mm-hmm. It would hurt, but only so much. If he got traded to a different team and then stayed with them, I would be livid. You yeah. know, it's like, shoot, that could have been us. So there are different degrees of my level of pissed offness for sure. You know, if you're asking me, would I rather have him traded to us this summer or not? Again, it's conditional, but I I would say if it's within reason, then yeah, sure. Like, let's do it right now. And like Tommy said, let's mitigate that risk of having to play all these other games later that just become so much more complicated with an extra season in Indiana. 
Yeah, I think the the biggest thing goes back to just expediting the process, right? And also because Paul George is not exactly 23, 24 years old, because there's always going to be an adjustment period, you allow them to go through whatever bumps and bruises and transition they need to go through this next year to even become a fringe eighth seed or whatever and get through that so that the next season you can be like, okay, well, we're ready to go from the eighth seed to all of a sudden now we're the fourth seed and we're ready to contend with the Golden State Warriors, right? So it's all about just expediting the process and getting the development underway for the young guys. Yeah, so I think that's why, for the most part, this is why in the past teams have kind of gotten ahead of things and even made that trade before the guy even gets to free agency so they can, I think acclimate is the word, right? Acclimate him to the culture of the team and what they're trying to build, but also acclimate the other players to him as well. With regards to Rob Palenka, who's starting out, he also for himself wants to get underway in terms of having a clear vision, where right now it's sort of muddled with all of these draft picks. We don't really know who's going to be a star, who's not going to be a star, who's going to be with the team when it's time to contend. Well, once you have a guy like Paul George in as like the crux there, all of a sudden your vision becomes a lot clearer. You know what I mean? So for Rob Palenka, his job gets, I mean, not a lot easier, but there's, he can finally have a core centerpiece that he can surround guys with and build that foundational piece as opposed to kind of like going out there with so many different Rubik's Cubes, where if you have Paul George, you have one Rubik's Cube that you're dealing with, right? So right now, Rubik's Rubik's Rob is playing around with five different Rubik's Cubes that he's trying to finagle and whatever, where once you have Paul George, it's like, okay, this is a lot easier. We've kind of uh, sampled it down to just this, and I know what I want to build with Paul George as the centerpiece. As far as Rob Palinka is concerned, and you know, we have to remember, he didn't draft these guys. So we have no idea how he perceives the talent of each of the guys who are drafted by Mitch and Jim, there there isn't any attachment in his mind. There there may not be as much of a let's let's see it through and and see how things go. And you know that's the epitome of a process. Uh, he may be ready to cut bait a lot quicker than we all think. I mean, we've grown attached to these guys as well. So expediting things could absolutely happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about this? To end our show, let's do a little bit of role playing. Alan, you, of course, are going to be Rob Palenka, and Tommy, you will play the role of Paul George. So with that said, guys, let's see if we can come to an agreement here. Rob, take it away with those beautiful eyes. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Paul, how's it going? Um, you know, I hope you're having a, a great summer, you know. We uh, enjoyed watching you perform in the playoffs at a very high level. Unfortunately, you know, things did not go your way, but... We, we believe here in Los Angeles that the type of organization we are trying to build is really going to suit exactly what it is you are looking for in your career, not only in basketball, but in life as well. So I greatly appreciate the time that you've taken to come here and stare at all of my Rubik's Cubes here sitting on this table, and we are going to solve them together, Paul. I can, I can promise you that. We are going to put in maximum effort every day to be great because we care and that is care with a k like lakers it's lit (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay well paul george is clearly a man of few words but when it comes to that word i guess that's all you really need and also apparently rob palinka can't spell very well but you know that's okay because (laughs) judging by that conversation i think we got the deal done So I'm sold, clearly. And clearly Paul George is sold. So 
We got Paul George, everybody. It's It's been confirmed right here on the Lakers Legacy Podcast. We got sources. We got the source, actually. Rubik's Rob sealing the deal. Let's do this. Lakers. Nice. We even got the air horns going on. Well, speaking of air horns, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because... The more you rate interview us, the more air horns we'll be getting for Paul George's coronation as a Laker. PG in PG, Paul George in purple and gold. So please do that. And also, I have no idea who's on the other side of this line, but whoever you are, please tell the audience where they can find us and when. Uh, well, uh, you know, the one guy who review us say uh, he wants me to come out a little bit more. Uh, I am actually Skyping in from Croatia right now. Uh, I spend a little time with family, and I miss Larry so much. But uh, anyway, I want you guys to listen to uh, this podcast. Uh, it's my time of day because time change is very different. But I believe uh, Los Angeles time is uh, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Dash Radio. Dash Radio, that's at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. It's funny. These guys are good, even though they have not made a nickname for me yet. Uh, not one as good as Larry's, so... Okay, uh, go Lakers, uh, go the purple. Hey, Zoo, uh, sorry, you, you actually just got traded in the package for Paul George, so you're, you're not a Laker anymore. I'm going to retire right now. <laughs> that's, that, that's fine, retire, retire a Laker, that's the way to go. All right, with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening. We are still experiencing some audio issues, but... Rest assured, we are trying to fix it, and we're getting new mics and everything, so just bear with us for the time being. So, yeah, Alan, I'll catch you later. Peace! Tommy, a.k.a. Paul George and Larry Bird. Catch you later. Goodbye! This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.